Good evening and welcome. You're watching The Big Fight with me, Sanket Upadhyay, the show that is young at 23, the oldest running debate show on Indian news television. Now, there are some cues as far as the Indian economy is concerned, which the government would want you to see. Let's first take a look at that. It paints a very good picture and this is definitely the reality. There is an uptick in GDP growth during April to June, which is a very good thing. Steady tax revenues, an amazing thing. We are collecting more tax, the government is earning more tax revenue. The GST's month-on-month growth is only a great success story, which we keep getting to hear. There is more leeway for the rupee in something that is called REER, that is rupee in real effective exchange rate. A stable economy, we are being told, amid a global turmoil, right? So these are things or economic cues which the government wants us to be. But you see, here are the economic cues which we all must also see. This is also equally important. Services growth is at a six-month low. There is price rise, which is unprecedented, and unemployment as well, so a sort of a double whammy which is posing a great challenge. Rupee is at a record low. One dollar is more than 82 rupees. Foreign exchange reserves in this country are down 14% this year. Crude oil is at pre-war levels and yet fuel prices are still up. The current account deficit is increasing. Trade and fiscal deficit also increasing. The growth forecast has been revised by the World Bank and the Reserve Bank of India. So then on the big fight, there is one question that we would want to ask and also debate. Food prices and inflation, jobs and recession. Are we battling economic headwinds? ahead of elections 2024 and I'll explain the logic behind bringing elections into this debate. Let's introduce our guest this evening, Rajat Sethi is a political analyst, Anshul Abhijit, spokesperson of the Congress, Professor Pranab Sen, former chairman, uh, National Statistics Commission, uh, Statistical Commission and Gurcharan Das is a noted economist. Thank you very much. Uh, Gurcharan Das, I want to begin with you first. You see, uh, given the sort of challenges that we are facing because of uh, global concerns. In a situation like this, the government is also having to uh, support the population with schemes like uh, free ration. And obviously, it is a very, very uh, politically volatile subject, whether to do away with it or not, whether to continue, are the challenges over or not. Uh, Clearly, the political assessment is that even after all these years of covid The challenge still remains. All of this has a cost on the country. So do you feel that we are being smart and pragmatic about handling the headwinds? Well, I think we'll uh, find out as the days go ahead. But right now I can say that compared to the world's, the rest of the world's situation, India remains a stable, positive picture. Growth is robust in this year. And inflation hasn't gone out of control. And so I would say, yes, 
there are real challenges caused by the recession and and you've analyzed all all the problems very well i would say and so we should really be preparing now as we look at the next budget what india should be doing to get ready for this clearly the recession in the world has meant that our exports are going to be hurt and that will have an impact on jobs already jobs is a problem for our country uh we haven't created the kind of jobs and we were looking forward after covid to get back to some kind of normality but this wretched war has uh spoiled it all as well as the chinese slowdown etc but as far as exports is concerned that's very very important i believe we should let the rupee float i know people consider this as a national pride issue it should not be our exporters our exporters are hurting because the our competitor economies have depreciated more than us and so don't worry if we are at 82 let it float uh, 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 downwards and so and, and at the same time i would say for exports we should close the fta agreements quickly mm. we should reconsider joining the indo pacific framework trade pillar um we should anyway that's on export but i think the big question for the budget is that we have to bring down the fiscal deficit otherwise we won't be considered a credible economy sure and we have to bring it down to about 3 and a half percent over 3 years because what the fiscal deficit is doing is to crowd out private investment which mm. is an area of weakness finally sure. i think it's important for the budget that we we are modest about our growth targets i mean we may we may do better but for 2023 but for 2324 23, i think 6% or 6% plus is the max and and we can still get to that 10 trillion dollar economy by 2030 that assumes 8% growth but we'll make up in the years to come but right now i think it's better that we are realistic about tax revenues and it will mean lower government expenditure but we should cut the non productive government expenditure instead of the in some of the new schemes can be slowed down and 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 in that sense fiscal deficit today 11% of center and states is just unviable okay and i think this will give some room for private investment out of to come in sure and ultimately uh growth i mean our real problem in india is jobs and Correct. that will which 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 continues growth. to pose as a big problem and we'll quickly put those statistics on the screen right now of uh, where it is uh, alarmingly high but uh, professor sen uh, you see inflation figures high which means price rise uh, on the rise unemployment these figures are right there on our screen right now bihar at 11.4 goa at 10.9 
Haryana at 22.9, Jammu Kashmir 23.2. I mean, these are alarming figures, much more than the national average. This is CMIE data. But the point is, uh, I don't know why we also uh, portray the GDP uh, numbers as as a great as a marker of great success. I want to understand from you uh, how do they, when you juxtapose these two things, how do they shape up? Because you know you've got growth projections from the World Bank as well as the RBI steadily revising these these growth projections. Sanket, the simple fact of the matter is that the GDP is a measure of the total income in the country, an income which is then shared between people. The point is GDP itself doesn't tell you how it's being shared. Hmm. So when you're looking at robust GDP growth and high unemployment, what it is saying in effect is that there's a large number of people in the country who are not being able to have a share of that growing income. Hmm. So it's a, it's a distributional issue. So what it is suggesting is that the country is becoming more unequal than it used to be. And this is coming out in, in various things. I mean, Gurcharan just talked about the, the problem of the uh, small enterprises. Uh, and this is, this is absolutely true. So we are today in a situation where the GDP is actually above what it was in 1920, right? But the small and medium, the MSMEs actually, are well, well behind. So what has been happening is that if you look at the market, you've got a situation where the corporates are eating into the market share of the MSMEs. Now, we have a situation where the corporates employ very few people. The bulk of employment outside of agriculture is by the MSMEs. MSMEs. So if MSMEs are retreating rather than advancing, Hmm. you should expect to see escalated unemployment. Hmm. Right? So our problem at the moment is not growth per se. Our problem at the moment is the quality of growth in terms of who is benefiting. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Anshul Avijit, what's your assessment? Because you see, the, the the government says that what what can we do? I mean, you complain about the uh, the rupee tumbling, but the point is that there are uh, other currencies tumbling faster, so we are far more stable. You say uh, issues about the GDP, about growth. Uh, the government says, look at the sort of global environment we are in, and yet we are managing to hold on because the fundamentals are rock solid. The fundamentals are not rock solid. I mean, Mm -hmm. the government actually is to largely blame for the floundering economy that we find ourselves in. I mean, sometimes I feel that the approach of the government is so amateurish and they don't simply understand what macroeconomics means. Mm. Um, They keep hiding behind high frequency indicators in order to bolster their point. You know, okay, the GST collections are great. Look at them you know, record levels, revenues are so high, of course they are high. We keep saying that the formal economy is doing really, really well. You know, inflation is imported. What what can we do? You know, the RBI governor said that there is another storm that has brewed. That means central rates are increasing, uh, central banks are increasing interest rates around the world. Uh, you know, there's an apprehension of go- global recession and they're mopping up liquidity. So what we, what can we do? There's another storm. So the inflation, everything is imported. 
The problem is that the government is responsible because even before the pandemic or this new the Ukraine war hit us, our economic situation was very very bad. Our uh, unemployment. Um, you know, manufacturing unemployment hmm. had declined in absolute terms. Hmm. Um, the informal sector has been completely wrecked, which the government does not talk about at all. I mean, just flagging what uh, what others have said before me. I mean, the informal sector's contribution to the GDP, since we're talking about growth, was 52 percent, according to a survey by the SBI. Now that has fallen to below 20 percent. So you can imagine. The, the, I mean, it's been brought to its knees. You can imagine the plight of the informal sector when 90 to 95 percent of our wor- workforce is engaged. So the levels of in- inequity there are, are for are for you to see, and and that is all reflected in the nature of the growth. Um, you know, the government. The problem is that the government, even before the pen- pandemic, and particularly during it has been focusing on a particular supply side economics, you know, too much emphasis on monetary policy to get us out of the situation. You know, uh, so nothing at all as far as fiscal policy is concerned. Unless you have a robust fiscal policy, unless there is a balance between monetary and fiscal policy, you know, you give more money in the hands of the poor so that you increase demand. If demand increases, then you have, you know, your factories will start working. There will be capacity utilization. If that happens, then there will be more employment. Employment means more salaries. Salaries means more money. And therefore, the cycle continues. The government doesn't do any of that. There is an emphasis. They have to get this monkey off their back, which is supply-side economics and monetary policy, and thinking that only raising repo rates will control our inflation and anything else. They have to start understanding what macroeconomics is. Okay. Rajat Sethi, your response. You see, the economy... Uh, by some estimate, by by a, by an estimate right here in front of me, is barely above pre-pandemic levels. In fact, the GDP is just 1.5 percent above the pre-pandemic levels. So, do you feel that uh, we are celebrating the uh, the things worth celebrating a bit too much, and not really concentrating on the headwinds? Uh, Sankirji, I uh, intend not to, to to basically keep this debate around economic fundamentals and not steep into the political pit mm-hmm. uh, because things get unnecessary murky. It's wrong data quoted, wrong uh, sort of strategies quoted out here, and I don't want to do any of that. Sure, There is no euphoria around anything. It's around cautious management of the economy. Uh, RBI, which, uh, you know, a lot of uh, people on the other side of the aisle had initially said that how could the RBI governor uh, possibly not do enough during COVID? We've seen economies, like a lot of developed economies around the world, we've seen how they responded to uh, to pandemic. And all the doles that they had given out has eventually resulted into neck-breaking inflation that has caused this entire havoc around the world. You know, it's easy to pinpoint. And, and let me quote here, all the Raghuram Rajans of the world and Kaushik Basus of the world, they have been pretty much exposed in the way uh, their uh, prescriptions around the pandemic time were. And at this stage, when uh, our, our inflation is relatively benign, uh, the RBI, which is trying to solve this classic uh, economic macroeconomic problem of impossible trinity, which is to balance your foreign exchange reserves, balance your inflation, and also, uh, you know, uh, balance your uh, your overall uh, uh, health of the economy. That impossible trinity is what uh, what RBI is trying to you know tread along and 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 put a uh, put a uh, a balancing act out there. 
at this stage mm-hmm. when new york times quotes uh, and this is verbatim that the only island of hope around the world economically speaking is india this is where the highest growth rate in spite of the downward revision of the world bank mm-hmm. uh, as we know uh, this is the place which is which is the major economy which is going to grow at 6.5% this is the economy which uh, uh, would want to take advantage of uh, capital being uh, being attracted into Hmm. look at around the world look at countries like brazil look at and the other exactly would we do that like Rajan? china well you see look with at the problem problem of, of foreign, price rise uh, and uh, unemployment coming in how would you do it yeah the unemployment the basic uh, uh, solution to that is to create more avenues for growth allow more capital to come in more government expenditure which the government has always committed to and also not uh, uh, descend down into the point on msme investment the fdi itself which has been brought into the uh, the country is to the tune of 100 billion dollars this year this is it is in spite of the fact that there is flight of capital to safer havens like the us hmm. you still this is the only country which can boast of attracting 100 billion dollar worth of uh, foreign direct investment in this gloom and doom environment okay Pro- so professor I agree that there are headwinds it's how do you manage those headwinds okay how do we and manage the headwinds economy hmm. yeah okay professor pranab sen very quickly you see uh, this is cautious optimism says rajat sethi that yes we are celebrating the fact that uh, you know there's there's numbers worth celebrating at the same time aware of the challenges would you like to list out a few which need a uh, greater attention well let me just list out what what really the challenges are i mean you know rajat talked about you know no no sort of uh, backpacking happening Hmm. let's let's leave that aside you know 100 billion dollars in it there, there is a lot of back uh, backpacking happening so but let's not go into that that's not the issue the real issue is that at the moment our single largest challenge is jobs now the if you look at the history of what of policy as it evolved uh, from covid onwards initially there was a very strong support for the msme sector yes. which came essentially from the rbi later it came through the fiscal policy but that all of that happened essentially during the and post the first wave of covid from the second wave of covid somehow that urgency seemed to get lost hmm. and the problems really begin from there um the at the moment our clear focus should be on how do we revive emissions this is not keeping them alive it's creating perhaps a completely new generation of entrepreneurs hmm. because a lot of the old entrepreneurs have simply gone under now if you think about one of the first things that mr modi did when he came to power sure. was to announce sure. the mudrasi and the mudra scheme did very well in the initial years then was allowed to gradually taper out we heard about the mudra scheme sometime at the end of last year but the activity on that continues to be extremely weak now the point is that it's the sort of schemes like mudra hmm. which need to be pushed which and, and implemented you know, the well. is very and we must not lose steam on those i think that's a very important point It's an important point. Uh, 
Thank you so much. I have very limited time on this discussion because we've got two more guests waiting. Thank you very much. Uh, as I said, that this is going to be more of a more of a discussion and not really a fight because we've got to identify those headwinds and be prepared for the challenge. We're stopping for a short break at this moment. When we come back, we speak to the former VC of Niti Aayog, Mr. Rajiv Kumar, and also former finance minister P. Chidambaram on what they have to say. What is their view? So the big economic challenges joining us right now uh, is former finance minister, Mr. P. Chidambaram. Thank you very much, Mr. Chidambaram. The government seems to be uh, in, I would say, some sort of a celebratory mode uh, when it comes to uh, the, you know, the GDP, when it comes to uh, higher tax collection. But uh, only today a newspaper says that we have to worry about the major uh, economic headwinds. What do you think are the challenges for the economy? beyond the celebration? The only one who is happy about the economy and the macroeconomic situation appears to be the government. Anyone who whistles in the dark, I call it whistling in the dark, will put up a brave uh, front, hmm. a smiling face. Hmm. But he knows he's in the dark, he knows he's whistling, and he's trying to shore up his own confidence. Mm. Everybody else has predicted serious headwinds. Today, there is a front page story in a, a newspaper which talks about the macro worries. There is an interview by the chief economic advisor who acknowledges that there are headwinds. He had the RBI governor's statement, mm. the third storm. He mentioned two storms the corona and the Ukraine war and a third storm. And above all, Alta has predicted 2022 will record a 5.7% growth and 2023 will record a 4.7% growth. If all this is not a matter of a worry, uh, what is the government doing? Um, I can't say. Uh, Mr. Chidamram, you know, the government says that rupee, GDP, employment uh, is all a function of war. And this has got nothing to do with the government. That these are external forces that are affecting. And India in this global world order uh, cannot remain untouched with these external matters. So do you feel so that this assessment the, is correct? Does the government therefore throw up its hand? Hmm. Uh, could I have said in uh, 2013, it is because of the taper tantrum of the U.S. Fed. Could somebody say in 2008, it's because of the international financial crisis. You are a government, you are in government to deal with external shocks as well as internal problems. If you can't throw up your hand and say this is external, I have nothing to do with uh, what's going on in the rest of the world, why are you in government? Mm. Mr. Chidamram, let's take a look at these issues one by one and let's first talk about the rupee. One explanation from the government is that, see, yes, we are falling, our rupee is falling, but the fall is not as much as other currencies. 
What kind of a satisfaction is this? Hmm. Is your per capita the same as the per capita of other countries whose currency has fallen? Are your imports not larger than your exports? Is not your current account deficit one of the worst in the world? Therefore, what is this comparison? I can't understand. If all other parameters are equal, then you can say my rupee has fallen uh, lower than your your currency. But in many other parameters, we are weaker, we are poorer, we have great difficulties. For example, in poverty, in maternal mortality rate, in uh, infant mortality rate, we are poorer and weaker. Our children are more malnourished. Uh, we are dependent on exports and, and imports. We have to import practically every chip that is used in your digital India. Therefore, there's no point comparison. You have to take what it is and say, what are you doing to stem the fall of the rupee? Mr. Chidambaram, uh, what, what will you suggest then? Because, you know, uh, in a situation like this, with the rupee breaching uh, a new mark every day, now it's just 32 uh, rupees to a dollar. Uh, how, how can you contain this, given the external challenges? I'm not saying you will succeed in containing the fall of the rupee, but you must make an effort. Hmm. Just look back to 2013, 2014. Actually, we started in 2012 and 2012-13 The rupee had fallen precipitously. But we brought back the rupee. By the time we demitted office, the UPA government demitted office, the rupee had been brought back to um, 58.4. Therefore, you have to make an effort. And how did we bring back the rupee uh, to, the, uh, uh, to the previous level? We took a number of measures. The first step you have to take is to attract more capital into India, to attract more funds into India. I can't see this government doing anything to attract more capital to India. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's... Number let's, one. Number yeah. two, number two sure. you'll have to contain the current account deficit. So far, in the first six months... Gold imports are $20 billion. On the petroleum account, the deficit is $65 billion. I'm not saying this can be reduced to zero. I'm not even suggesting that. But you have to make some effort to contain these imports. Mm. I can't see the government doing anything to contain these imports. There are many measures can be taken. You may be partially successful. You may be fully successful. But you have to make an effort. Sure. What this government is doing is, I can't do anything about it. This is external. Then why are you in government? Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Mr. Chidamlam, the next point is, uh, you know, crude prices. Right now, uh, the per dollar cost of uh, crude oil is at pre-war levels. And yet we do not see that uh, that being passed on to the consumers. Perhaps because uh, the government feels that when they were high... Uh, they had to take a dip in the taxes and uh, thus a recovery is required. But we do know that there is a direct link between uh, prices as well as uh, inflation. You know, fuel price will increase, it will contribute to inflation. What needs to be done as far as fuel prices are concerned? 
fuel prices are the most inflationary input, most inflationary price. All other prices may not have the same consequences as fuel prices because hmm. fuel affects anybody across all sectors. Fuel prices, therefore, have to be brought down. Now, the best way to bring down the fuel prices, the cess is a selfish, wholly selfish levy of the central government to shore up its resources. This government has, for the last three or four years, treated two things as milk cows. One is GST and one is the cess on petrol and diesel. The cess is not shared with the states. The other GST, GST rates are high. You have to take into account the fact that inflation today is 7%. Wholesale inflation is over 12%. You have to moderate these two prices if you want to bring inflation down. Hmm. Mr. Chidamram, only very recently the World Bank has cut uh, India's growth forecast by 1%. This has uh, been revised by the RBI also. Uh, do you feel that this this uh, revision of the growth forecast is also realistic? Is it just 1%? It's the, it's the fourth revision of the World Bank. Hmm. It is the third revision downwards by the RBI. Hmm. And it won't stop here. It will be revised further downward. Hmm. Even 6.5% is optimistic. Let's look at two numbers. What, did, what does the government think will be the nominal growth rate? The nominal growth rate, according to various government spokespersons, is about 12% or so. If inflation is between 6 and 7%, how can you have 6.5% growth? It's against common sense. Mm -hmm. Growth will be lowered further by the World Bank and by the RBI. Uh, Mr. Chidamram, uh, we all know about the very famous declaration by the government of us being a $5 trillion uh, economy by 2024-25. But you see, the RBI governor himself has said that this can only be achieved practically by 2029. Do you think that this, this vision of us becoming $5 trillion is uh, achievable, achievable according to these new timelines now? This government pushes the goalpost behind every time. The original goalpost, if I remember right, was 2324. Hmm. They have pushed it back, pushed it back again. We will achieve $5 trillion economy one day if the government does nothing, even if we grow at 3 or 4%. Hmm. Someday we will become a $5 trillion economy. Someday we will become a $10 trillion economy. Question is, what is your deadline? You said by the, by 2223 or 2324, there was a difference between the finance minister and the chief economic advisor. FM said 22-23. CEA said 23-24. RBI governor now says 27-28. I don't know whether they will stick to this goalpost. I won't be surprised if they push the goalpost uh, further behind. Uh, Mr. Chidamram, now one question related to uh, the various welfare schemes, which are also very infamously called Ravdi. Uh, by the government. Uh, now, we do know that this is a huge burden on the exchequer and yet one has to endure this, these schemes. Do you think, while we are in this present economic reality, 
is it sustainable for us to continue with the with these schemes i am talking about the free ration scheme as long as there are a large number of poor people who cannot access food why is there such rampant malnourishment look at the data of the national family health survey one third of our children are either malnourished or stunted or wasted if that does not hit your conscience what else will hit your conscience when there is rampant malnourishment and anemia among women is over 50% you have to provide food until people have the income to buy their own food mm. food has to be provided i don't think it is a freebie i think it's a moral obligation it is in under the national food security act a legal obligation and the government must continue to provide food as long as there are maybe 15 20% of the people who are very poor and there is widespread malnourishment and anemia mr chidambaram my final question would you like to uh, list out two or three of those headwinds that you uh, you know spoke about and how can we uh, you know basically be alert towards them so that we can take action well the first thing to be alert is you must be awake the government is sleeping so please ask the government mm. to get up and open its eyes and smell the coffee mm. and then we can uh, come to the headwinds there are actually four headwinds mm-hmm. uh, read my column in the indian express on sunday sure growing growth growth will slow down quarter to quarter rbi's prediction is first quarter was 13.5 second quarter will be lower third quarter will be 4.6 fourth quarter will be 4.6 so slowing growth is a first headwind the second headwind is high inflation governor has said to bring it to the uh, range that we desire it will take 2 years which means 22 23 will have high inflation hmm. the third is the falling rupee if the rupee continues to fall it will be inflationary uh, our current account deficit will expand further and it will be inflationary the fourth is the widening current account deficit current account deficit some people thought it will touch 3% my estimate is it will touch 3.4% mm. and that will put further pressure on the rupee mm. these are the four headwinds that i have identified and i have explained it in my column which will appear on sunday slowing growth hmm. high inflation falling rupee and widening current account deficit sure sure all right mr chidambaram many thanks for joining us and uh, speaking thank you. you thank you so much Yes, right now is the former vc of niti aayog mr rajiv kumar thank you very much mr kumar for joining us uh, my first question to you is uh, you see while uh, the government is happy about the fact that uh, the gdp numbers are high uh, it's happy about the fact that uh, you know taxation revenue is going up gst collection is going up these are positive signs and positive cues but while all of that is the positive story there is a current of our, uh, account trade and fiscal deficit which is a huge threat for us uh inflation remains a huge concern 
And now, uh, as the newspaper reported, there are some headwinds we need to be prepared for. What's your assessment about the Indian economy? My assessment about the Indian economy, Saket, is that um, uh, we cannot, we are not, we are not isolated, as some people would tend to believe, from all that's happening in the global economy. And we know that uh, this is an unprecedented synchronized downturn in the global economy that's taking place uh, with North America, Europe, China, all, uh, you know, seeing dramatic reduction in their uh, growth, in their growth, including recession, both, uh, you know, which is now looming in Europe and uh, the U.S. And, but we probably are the one bright spot in this gloomy uh, global environment because we still, despite, for example, the World Bank cutting its estimate of our growth rate, it's still 6.5%, which everybody else would sort of really, uh, you know, give their left leg for. Uh, our next year's growth is also 5.5%, and therefore we remain a very good story as far as uh, foreign investors are concerned and as far as global economy observers are concerned. Now, about the twin deficit that you're talking about, yeah. the current account deficit and the fiscal deficit, I am not so concerned about the fiscal deficit because, as you said, the GST revenues are buoyant. Uh, the government has enough fiscal space. Uh, the non the non tax revenues uh, th- that can be another focus of the government, you know, to 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 to, to give themselves more uh, fiscal space than they needed, and it can be done even now. On the on the current account, on the external side, I think there is now. Uh, what is required is far bigger focus on how to uh, push our exports mm. in an environment where demand, external demand, uh, would be going down. So how to raise our market share in the global economy. Mm. Mm. And, okay. the, and rather, rather than grow only with the global economy. Which no, fa- fair enough. So what I'm going to do, Mr. Kumar, is that uh, through the course of our conversation, we're going to break this down into specifics. And maybe you can tell me uh, what your view is. So first of all, inflation and price rise. Uh, Do you feel that we have done enough when there will be these headwinds or there will be a global crisis? And of course, we will not remain fully untouched. Have we done enough to be able to contain this? You see, the problem about this statement is that you don't know what is enough until it is enough. Therefore, you can't really, you know, anticipate this. Let us put it like this, that the RBI is seized of the matter. The Monetary Policy Committee is very conscious of it. And the fact that they have been, uh, they have been uh, front-loading their interest rates, uh, you know, interest rate hikes, uh, shows that they are prepared to do whatever is required to be done. And my own estimate is that inflationary expectations are not yet completely sort of rooted as it were. They have not taken root in this country. Because if you look at the for any survey, etc., the consumer and the investors, they are not expecting this inflation to rise any further. Now, that's the real crisis. Mm-hmm. You know, and that starts to happen. Because then that becomes, that gets cascading down. So from what I can see uh, on inflation control, inflation, reigning in inflation, the RBI is doing the right things. And moreover, more than the interest rate hikes, if you if you if you observe the liquidity conditions in the market today, for the first time liquidity liquidity is tight, so that the actual interest rate is higher than what the repo rate 
uh, would would imply hmm. so which means that you know that impact will come through and demand both investment and consumption demand will begin to soften which is the condition for getting inflation under control sure mr kumar you know one one uh, attached aspect to price rise and inflation is also uh, you know how fuel prices for the common man have not gone down uh, when you compare it to the the crude oil bill so crude oil rates are at a pre war level and yet the the fuel price is not any any low for the people now this was a benefit that could have been passed on to the people do you think that the government must think along these lines that would depend upon the fiscal space you have hmm. because passing on that particular uh, you know reduction is you know to the consumer necessarily implies a reduction in the taxes that are levied by the central government and the state governments the finance minister had done that and had asked the state governments to match some of them had matched it but again this is a fine balance that you have to strike whether you have enough fiscal balance because you can't possibly let the fiscal deficit rise from the targeted budget figure of i think 6.3% but if it does then the combined fiscal deficit of the center and the states goes beyond double digits you know you know to that effect that mr kumar the, sorry the, the many members uh, uh, in the opposition who understand uh, a thing or two about economy say that the taxes of the center on fuel have been increased so phenomenally none of these taxes ever existed in the past like for instance central excise is uh, at a whopping high all time high So you're collecting more taxes. Some even no, call it lazy taxation. I don't know whether it's lazy taxation because that was done when the prices had declined very rapidly. So the government wanted to take uh, some benefit of the windfall gains that were happening. And as I'm just as you uh, we said we discussed because the finance minister has reduced these taxes in the recent past. I'm sure this is on the government's policy agenda that if inflation. remains as you know sort of uh, you know as um, entrenched if you like and the fuel and food uh, fuel and food components are a very high percentage of the total inflation i'm sure the government will be ready uh, to reduce uh, that tax those taxation but what the government has done is to ensure getting getting oil at a much cheaper price than what is available in the world market by entering into the bilateral agreement with russia and that i think uh, is, is 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 quite an something that one should take note of and and you, give credit mm-hmm. you think uh, you know speaking of unemployment because just a short while ago we were talking about price rise and uh, uh, you know we look at this as a sort of a double whammy price rise on one end and unemployment at uh, at a high you look at states like bihar 11.4% goa 10.9% haryana 22% plus jammu kashmir 23% plus uh do you feel that this is one area where the government can look into along with states absolutely and i've been emphasizing this and i think this is the recent paper that i wrote uh, an article that i wrote in the economic times which is saying that the informal sector the small and medium enterprises have taken a much bigger hit uh, during the pandemic and the ukraine russia conflict than the corporate the large corporate sector and the k shaped recovery is actually a reality and i give you a small example of sort of thing that the government can do which is you know and yesterday 
they met me the you know the bharatiya swarnakar sang is a is a association of all the artisans in the gems and jewelry industry you know which you know which make golden you know ornaments and so on and they were saying that if the mudra loan could be given to us not in 10 lakhs rupees but in terms of the gold you know 200 grams of gold that will help them a lot because that would then take care of the gold inflation now these are sort of specific steps that the government needs sure. to take to assist the small and medium enterprises at this stage because it's quite clear that the small and medium enterprises especially those who don't have access to formal commercial credit have taken a real big hit yeah. uh, you know much bigger than what has been done by the big listed companies okay. and the big corporates Yeah now I want to talk about the rupee you know uh, again politically speaking and I don't want you to answer the political questions but uh, it said that uh, we have a fumbling response to a tumbling rupee it is at an all time low from 74 dollars to 82 uh, rupees uh, beg your pardon 82 rupees to a dollar the rupee is down 10% and this despite the RBI's sales to prop up the currency foreign exchange reserves are falling to save the rupee it is at a nearly two year low do you see this as a worrying sign forex reserves are also down 14% this year yeah but sakit you know better than i do that our rupee has depreciated much less than the other currencies around the world like the dollar the king dollar has actually out it is amazing that despite you know uh, whatever the, you know uh, you can say about the us economy but when the fed raises interest rates there is a flight to safety and that flight to safety is much less in our case than in the case of you know all other economies including japan which had to intervene you know to uh, to to try and you know stop the depreciation of the yen etc china too much bigger depreciation than what we've had so that's one that's one point that i want to make the second is that i have been always a proponent of a a non uh, n- n- a proponent of a rupee finding its own level and not be artificially raised because that hurts our exporters and that also you know encourages imports whether that's of luxury travel or luxury goods or, or energy consumption so i think a weak rupee may sound you know i mean may make for good english of tumbling and stumbling but a weak rupee is one of the drivers hmm. of uh, you know of uh, Uh, a growth a driver of growth in the economy and by the way if you if you get your exports going especially those which are produced by our artisans and handicrafts etc then you create you generate employment in the right places so i'm not worried i'm not a worried man about the depreciation because i don't believe in being macho okay but would you be worried about the fact that the service sector has uh, growth has hit a six month low in september and this uh, you know when you juxtapose this with the world bank cutting india's fy23 growth forecast by 1% and uh, revising it this is in, in fact uh, not the first revision even the rbi has revised yes so I, I, first coming to the uh, you know to your uh, thing about the um, what the, the first one was about um, uh, service sector growth. sorry service uh, sector growth service sector you know it's come down from 58 to 57 or 56 above 50 still implies high growth you know so we're not into a, you know we are making i don't know why we're making into a crisis 
it was, it was as high as 58.6 percent. You must recall that a few months ago, our manufacturing PMI was below 50, and then it's risen to above 50. So 56 is not a bad number. Service sector is going to expand, and our services are the bigger drivers of our economic growth. So, uh, you know, let's not create a crisis where there is none. On the reduction in the growth rate, as I said, it's clear that those who have argued about India being isolated or what is that word that they use, decoupled yeah. from the global economy. I mean, they were talking through their hat and, and therefore there's no decoupling. But the fact that it's still six and a half, as I said earlier to begin with, yeah. anybody that I have met says that this is the brightest spot, as it were today, in the global economy. Sure. All right. Uh, Mr. Rajiv Kumar, thank you so much for your time. Sir. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks. All the best. Take care.